All right, I guess everybody's getting quiet, so that must mean it's time for me to talk your guys' ear off for the next, I don't know, hour or so. Is that good? No? Nope? Uh-oh. All right, how's, everyone, how's everyone's weekend so far? Good, good. Dreary, yeah, I agree. I've been doing HVAC outside. I look like a little wet rat outside. People are offering me drinks and stuff. I'm like, no thanks, I've got plenty of rain. So last week we were in Exodus, and so that was the, that's really close to the beginning of your Bible. And this week I felt led to go towards the end of the Bible. Uh, so today we will learn about the seven churches in Revelation. There is some controversy over the meanings of these scriptures. There are quite a few people who think these churches are seven time periods of the church leading up to the tribulation. Over this last week, I have read the first three chapters of Revelation over and over and over again. And I have been reading these every single day. I think I've been sleep-talking them. But I actually can't find any evidence found in Scripture that these are seven different time periods. Churches like the lukewarm church have been found all over the world throughout all time periods. Churches with people being martyred has gone on since the beginning of the church. So I can't conform to the teaching that these churches represent time periods. So where are these churches? Well, back then they were called, or they were located in what's called Asia Minor. But now we call this region Turkey. In fact, there isn't much of an impact left in the region from those churches. The U.S. government estimates Turkey's total population at 83 million, and they did that in the mid-2022. And according to the Turkish government, 99% of the population is Muslim, which includes, um, I don't know, some group called A-L-E-V-I-S. I don't know how that's different from the rest of the Muslims. Uh, public opinion uh, surveys were published in 2021 that were researched in, by a, a polling firm called Conda. In this research and consultancy group, uh, the results were very similar. So as far as the region that they were in, the numbers say that Christianity didn't flourish there. But don't let that fool you. The letters from John sent are still impacting people all around the world today. I believe these letters will help us as a church become more in tune with what Christ wants for his church. This can teach us lessons on how to be the church. But before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for those letters that you sent so long ago. I just pray that you open up our hearts that we would see your words for the value that they are. That they would be worth more than pure gold, as you tell us. That we would hang on each and every word. And then also I pray that you would give us the power to interpret them. Just the way you meant for people to interpret them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we are going to start in Revelation 1, 9 through 11. And when you find this, please stand for the reading of God's word. I, John... Your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom 
and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, written on a scroll, what you see, or write on a scroll, what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. You may be seated. So one of Jesus' disciples, John, who was called the Beloved, was imprisoned on this island. And the leaders of that time tried to kill him by boiling him in hot oil. And when they couldn't kill him, they exiled him on this island. And as we read, during that time, he was in the Spirit, and Jesus sent him a message. Jesus gave John this message for seven churches. This was a time where there was a lot of pressure on Christians to worship the Roman gods. Sometimes Christians could not even be able to keep a job if they did not worship the Roman gods. Sometimes they were killed or people tried to kill them like John. So why did God pick these seven churches? Well, the text doesn't answer that question. Some scholars know that John was involved in some of these churches, if not all these churches. It also appears that these churches named here are in an order of like a route. They kind of circle back through each other. And you would return to the island of Patmos. So the word revelation means to reveal or unveil. And the message that John was supposed to give to these churches unveiled some of the things these churches were doing well, but it also revealed some of the things these churches were not doing well. Now, a lot of teachers try to hone in on the geography to teach about these churches, but I think I'm going to do something a little different. I don't think it matters so much who the letters were written to as much as it matters what they're really about. Also, it matters how we can apply these lessons to our life. So throughout this message, I won't spend a lot of effort to reflect. And the reason I will do this is because I believe any church could have individuals who are living like any of these seven churches of Revelation. So instead of dividing each church, I'm going to divide what was written to the church in categories. And there is a similar pattern each time a church is addressed um, in Revelations 2 and 3. I said Revelations, it's, it's only that's, does it? That's, that's my southern coming out. So the pattern doesn't occur identically for every church, but these patterns are very similar. Hopefully, uh, when I start going through this, it'll start to make sense. So I want to hone on four things that we can learn from the Revelation to these seven churches. The first thing I want us to learn, this message came from Jesus, and we better listen. The first example of this is found in Revelation 2.1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hands and walk among the seven golden lampstands. In other words, we need to listen because this message was from Jesus. And he walked among the churches, which are the lampstands. And he holds the stars, which are the angels. 
Jesus has control of the churches. So if you think you're holding it all together, you're mistaken. If I think I need to show up because I'm the one who holds it together, I'm mistaken. Jesus holds this all together, so we better listen to his words. Why should we listen? Reason number two, to the angel of the church of Smyrna, right? These are the words of him first and the last, who died and came back to life again. We should listen to Jesus' message because he's seen it all. He's always been around. There is nothing that can take him out. We need to listen because he defeated death. And we want to defeat death also, so we should listen to his instructions. Why should we listen to his message? Reason number three, found in Revelation 2.12. To the angel of the church in uh, Peregum, I don't even know how to, P-E-R-G-A-M-U-M. These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. We should listen to this message because Jesus' words are sharp like a sword. I'm going to draw from another verse that explains this pretty well. And this is found in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of all the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him who we must give account. We should... Or reason number four found in Revelation 3-7, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Now that's what I can say. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. We should listen because these words are holy. These are holy because they came from the holiest man that ever walked the earth, Jesus They help us draw near to God. Remember, God wants us to be a royal priesthood separated from the world. These words are true because Jesus is so holy, he is unable to lie. Whatever he says, we can bank on it. We can fully trust what he says every single time. Jesus has the power to open doors for us and close doors for us. With man, power corrupts. But with Jesus, he has full power without any corruption. His message can shut things out that we need out of our lives. And he opens things that we need in our lives. We should listen to his message, reason number four, found in Revelation 3.14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the ruler of all God's creation. What does the words of the amen mean? It's really not that clear to me. Um, In this passage, I'm not sure exactly what he means, but what I do know is clear is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit agree. This could be what he's talking about, but I'm not sure. It could also be that the Old Testament agrees with everything that Jesus says. 
But we should listen to these words because Jesus is a ruler of all creation. Jesus can make us do anything, yet he doesn't. He allows us to have free will. He allows me and you to have the option to either listen to him or not to listen. Since he is a ruler, we do need to understand that one day we will have to take account for it. The second thing that the letters of the churches teach us, what Jesus wants to see in his church. Number one, his saints thriving in affliction. This is found in Revelation 2.9. I know your affliction and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Sometimes for the cause of Christ, God's people have to suffer. Christ likes it when we stand in the midst of persecution. He likes it when we continue the work of Christ, even when we are threatened, whether that's physical or verbal abuse. We need to keep walking in the Spirit. When the world pressures us, we can overcome with the power of Jesus. What does Jesus like to see in his church? Number two, spiritual growth. We find this in Revelation 2.19. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Jesus loves to see his church bear fruit. It's really disappointing when you plant something and nothing grows out of it, which happens to me about 100% of the time. But it's super exciting when you grow something like a watermelon. It's so big you can win a state fair. And it's a million more times exciting when God's children bear fruit. When we grow in love and faith, we can help others grow. When we grow, we are more equipped for people who are struggling. When we grow, we represent Jesus to the world with a brighter light. What does Jesus like to see in his church? Number three, people who are bold for Jesus. As it says in Revelation 2.13, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put in your city where Satan lives. Jesus likes when we speak his name boldly. When our worship of him is so strong, we can't help but talk about him to other people. When I first became a Christian, one of my friends could not stand being around me because I talked all about Jesus too much. It didn't make my friend happy, but I believe it made Jesus really happy. We should be aware that there are influences out there that want us to be quiet about Jesus. People are getting censored so the name of Jesus won't be spread. We should be a church that doesn't just talk about Jesus on Sundays. What does Jesus like to see in the church? Number four, Jesus likes to see people who don't tolerate lies. This is found in Revelation 2 3. I'm sorry, Revelation 2, 2 and 3. Don't read the whole chapter. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, 
but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. There is this temptation to avoid conflict. There are a lot of roles in the church where this is almost impossible. I know me personally, I'm sent videos and devotionals all the time by various people. Uh, very rarely is it something good or awesome or lines up with the truth, but sometimes it is. And a lot of times it's really not harmless. But sometimes I do have to speak up and be firm. There are a lot of voices out there these days that want to teach harmful things. And I wouldn't be loving to my brother and sister in Christ if I looked the other way on harmful teachings. It's very common people to either remove or explain away warning passages found in the Bible. So I am constantly bringing people back to the truth, even if it is a comment on YouTube. So when it comes to those hard conversations, I try to please God over man. What does God like to see in the church? Number five, God loves to see your good deeds. As it talks about in Revelation 3.8, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, that you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Jesus loves to see your good deeds. They are not filthy rags in front of his eyes. Paul teaches us that he saved us by grace to do good deeds. That's one of the main reasons we were created, was to serve God with our good deeds. In fact, all the things that Jesus likes in the church mentioned here in Revelation had good deeds with them. The third thing we can learn from these seven churches is what Jesus doesn't like to see in the church. And the first thing Jesus doesn't like to see is our love growing cold. We find this in Revelation 2.4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how, hard, how far you have fallen. Usually our love grows cold when we have set our minds on other things. Our love should increase as we get to know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit more intimately. Sometimes we can forget how God is. That's why Jesus says, look how far you have fallen. Maybe all it takes is a wake-up call to realize I haven't been loving God with all my heart, all my mind, and all my soul. A reminder that yes, He is worthy of my love. Jesus doesn't want to see in the church. Number two, false teachings. As we see in Revelation 2.14. Nevertheless, I have found few some among you who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin. So they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Jesus mentions the story of Balaam and Balak. And this story is where the Israelites, uh, where Balak tempted them to worship idols and he gave them their women, the women to the Israelites. And why did Balak do that? Well, the Israelites were weakened by this. He understood that their strength came from God. And because of this, a lot of Israelites died. 
And we have to reject false teachings because, because it weakens the church. Our source and strength comes from God, and the enemy knows that. And he wants to separate us from God, and that's what sin can do. These teachings can be real dangerous because people die spiritually due to false teaching. What Jesus doesn't want to see in his church, number three, unfinished deeds, as it says in Revelation 3, 1 and 2. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Jesus wants us to continue doing good. He wants us not to grow weary and stop growing. We aren't supposed to be content with our spiritual strengths and gifts. We aren't supposed to be content if there is sin in our lives. Are we reading our Bibles every day? Are we praying every day? Are we judging ourselves? If we continue, if we don't continue, the outside might look good, but the inside won't. But Jesus needs, and he is not okay with us being content with unfinished deeds. What Jesus doesn't want to see in the church, number four, he doesn't want a lukewarm church. As we see in Revelation 3, 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I want to be either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Many people go real deep into the geography and uh, a complicated water system in the region, and I just don't see enough evidence that that is what Jesus is talking about. I don't even have enough evidence to say that he's only talking about drinking water. I think if you stick to the context, it's pretty clear. Jesus would rather you pick whether you will follow the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind than, and not follow him at all. A lot of people don't like this teaching, so they try to explain it away with geography. Jesus doesn't want us to have one foot in and one foot out. This isn't the hokey pokey. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want us to honor him with our lips and have our hearts so far away from him. This idea that I'm because I believe he took my sins away and I can live how I want. He would rather us to be up front and say we don't have faith in what Jesus passed down to his people. He would rather the person with the Jesus fish on their car who's flipping people off choose who they're really going to serve. If we are living in a way that Jesus doesn't like, what should we do? Well, the answer is found in Revelation 3.18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich with white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and to, to be put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. 
repentance and repent? What if you are walking in the Spirit, you're on fire, and you're pleasing to Jesus? Well, Revelation 2.10 says, Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. What can we learn from the seven churches? Number four, the end goal. And in closing, I'm not really even going to talk much about this. I'm not going to even, I'm just going to read the last four scriptures and I'm going to let them do the speaking. And I just want you to hold on to every single word. I want you to picture a finish line as I read them. Revelation 2.7 Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to them. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Revelation 2.11 Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2, 26 through 28. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Revelation 3, 21. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit on my throne. He didn't even call C-check. He's going to let you sit on his throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your words to the churches. I just pray that we would chew on this as we go throughout the, the week, that we would just really try to be the church that you want. I think we can take all the attributes that you like and don't like, and we can put them to practice in our, in our lives, that you would make us walk in this way with one accord and be pleasing to you as you see the church be the church. I pray that you empower every single individual in this room today, throughout the week, that we would have power to do what you like. We would have power to dismiss the things that you don't like. That we would have our eyes set on the end goal. That we would just want to sit on your throne with you more than anything that this world can offer us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.